Sunday morning a couple weeks ago. And so if you weren't here or you didn't make it into main service, uh, I, I went over verses 15 to 18. And so that would be, that would be important for you to, to get caught up on if you missed that. Um, just because it will give you a linear flow to give you some context. I'm going to try to review as best I can. Um, but I can only review so much. So before I do that, I have one announcement. Okay, just one announcement. There is a need for us to pray for our Bible studies, okay? We need to pray for our Bible studies. And I want to invite you to pray for them. And I want, you to, I want to invite you to join them. So um, the first part of the Bible studies is we have a group of seniors in here. Okay, I'm not going to try to name all of you because I'll forget one. Then I'll feel bad. But there's a group of seniors in here. Who you are on the the home stretch of your of your student ministry career, and this is where I get really sad uh, because it's around this time that things are clicking. You know, we finished mentorship. You've been very helpful in ministry. We've known each other for a really long time, and then all of a sudden, once you start getting really helpful, you up and leave, and uh, and it's a really really sweet and good thing, uh, but. <clears throat> Seniors, everyone let's pray for the seniors because they need to join themselves to a Kaya Bible study. Okay? It's important, it's critical that they that they bind themselves with brothers or sisters in a Kaya Bible study. And so let's be praying for the seniors that they make that switch and transition. Okay? Also, seniors, I want to encourage you to sign up for the cost of discipleship class. That is February 6th. If you haven't taken cost of discipleship, seniors, that's your next phase of growth. That's how you'll begin your next phase. Okay, so some of you are in mentorship. Some of you have finished mentorship. Some of you, um, maybe you're midway through, I don't know. But but cost of discipleship is going to be critical. And it doesn't have to be the February 6th one, but sometime this semester, that's the hope. Now, others of you, you're not a senior, maybe you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, and you're in the Raytown area, okay? So Seth is taking lead of the Bible study Travon led this year. And so we're thinking this Thursday, but we're going to coordinate. We'll, we'll figure out, you know, for sure what time and what day and all that and where and everything. We're going to figure that out. But there's a Raytown Bible study, okay? And so many of you knew this, but it's going to pick back up and we need your prayer, okay? We need you to pray for that Raytown Bible study. It could be boys or girls. It doesn't matter what you are, okay? You're either a boy or a girl. Let me just be very clear, okay? It's 2021, but biology didn't change, okay? Boys or girls, you're definitely welcome. Um, Joel and Lee Summit. There's a Bible study in Lee Summit. Raise your hand if you go to Lee Summit Bible study. Nice. So Joel, a few of you. Good. Okay, so, so we need to pray for the Lee Summit Bible study. Now, Joel, you're going back to school this week, right? Okay, so there's potential that Joel sees people that need to be joined to his Bible study at school, which, and that's got to be a big relief. And so we want to pray that that, that ministry that, that those boys are part of uh, grows and is protected. Tegan in Kansas, she's got her Bible study rolling. And so how many of you are in that the Kansas Bible study with Tegan? Trevon, put your hand down. Okay, so a few girls here. 
So we need to pray for, for that study and for those ladies over in Kansas. And then, okay, there's another one. Did you know there's another one? No. You didn't know there's another one. It's because that other one is like, it's in labor right now, right? So Ken and Aubrey are praying about doing a Bible study, right? Okay, they're praying about starting a Bible study in Gardner with some people in their school. Now, Gardner, you might think, where's that? Is that in, like, Wyoming? No, it's not, okay? It's 25 minutes away from my house in Raytown, so it's not that far, okay? It's not that far. It's not that far. Get over yourselves. It's not that far. So they're going to start a Bible study in Kansas, and that's what they're praying through, and they're working through, and they're thinking through it, and so we want to pray that... God does that, that God brings people into their life and they see open doors and they are able to invite people into Bible study with them. So we need to pray for that, okay? Can we pray again? But I want you guys to be praying for that on your own, okay? Because, man, that's how the ministry, will, that's, that's how we go, right? That's how you go and reach out to people, just through those Bible studies. So let's pray. Father, again, thank you. Um, for these students. God, thank you for these Bible studies that have begun over the years, and God, that you are using in the lives of these students. Um, Lord, I know I know personally the benefit of these Bible studies in different students' lives. I know that um, Bible study can be uh, extremely, you know, inconvenient, and it can be really awkward, and it can be, um, in, in our natural minds, it can be um, so much less enticing than, you know, just going off and, and, and having fun with friends or whatever. But God, when we gather together and we fellowship in your word, God, when you meet us there and we can just, we can, we can share, you know, all these uh, things that we've got going on in life, good and bad, with brothers and sisters, and we can walk together with you, Lord, that's a blessing. And I can, I can give testimony that for the last, you know, 10, 10 15 years of, of just being part of different Bible studies and seeing different Bible studies, um, it's a really, really rich thing to get to, um, to walk with you with, with my peers. And God, I pray that you, would, that you would join students to those Bible studies as you see fit, that we wouldn't make anything happen, that we wouldn't try to... Um, to pressure people into it, but God, that the door would be open and that people would see that open door and they'd, they'd walk in and they would join these Bible studies. God, grow them, use them, let your word be the focal point of, of everything that happens in those Bible studies. Uh, give the leaders of those Bible studies wisdom and strength in their inner man, boldness and courage to just uh, trust you to meet with you with these people. And God, would you be glorified in all of them? Uh, Would you grow this ministry as you see fit? And Lord, we ask you all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's get going. Let's get started. We're going to talk about three different things. There's a PowerPoint. I sent it to you like two weeks ago because I was sick last week. And uh, it's the Ephesians PowerPoint. It starts on slide 30. 30? I think. Yeah. Yes, 30. So Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 19 and 20 is going to be the first section that we look at. There's, there's three things that we're looking at. Number one, there is power. Okay, there's power. 
And uh, a couple weeks ago when I, when I went over verses 15 to 18, we talked about these prayers that Paul has for the Ephesians and these prayers that we should have for one another in terms of our um, spirituality. And so uh, he prays that their eye, the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and that they would see and realize all these different spiritual realities that, that these Ephesians had. And the last part of that, he prays that they would see uh, verse 19 and 20. He says, he's praying that they would know, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Right? So if you're looking there at that verse, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought? What in the world does that mean? Which he wrought, which means which he worked, which he demonstrated, which he showed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So, I got some questions for you. All right. There we go. I got some questions for you. These are for your notes. You might write these down. Number one, have you personally believed in the resurrection power? Have you believed in the resurrection power? Meaning, do you believe that Jesus was resurrected? That he was literally physically dead? And then by God's power, the, spirit, the, the power of God's Spirit, he, he, just as literally as He was dead, He literally rose Him from the dead. Have you believed that? And the next one, as you see, is do you believe that Jesus was dead, but that He rose again and is alive today? And I think it's easy to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, right? And I, I talk to students um, in my classes at times, and I'll, I'll ask them about Jesus, and you know they'll say, "Yeah, I believe in Jesus," and I'll say, "So do you know that He died?" And as we maybe we're working through the gospel or whatever, and talking about how He died and why He died, and that He died for the sins of all of, of humanity. And okay, so you, it's easy to believe He's dead because the whole world believes Jesus died, right? Everyone believes that. But do you believe that he rose again from the dead? And so a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, sure, okay, yeah. Okay, but if, he's alive, if, he rose, if he rose from the dead then, that means he's alive today, right? He didn't die again. Okay, so Jesus is literally, physically alive today. For me, that's like sobering. Like, whoa, wait. He's alive? He's alive. And he is in a physical place right now heaven sitting at the right hand of God the Father and he can hear everything in here he can see this he's God but he can also hear and see the thoughts and feelings in our mind and in our heart wow so the Bible says do you believe that and then lastly do you trust his life giving power in your life? Do you trust that life-giving power in your life? Do you trust that? Do you see that? Do you know that life-giving power in your life? And so you might say, I don't know. And that's a fair response. 
So I'm gonna, we're going gonna to walk through what that might look like. So what it might look like, first of all, is trusting God for souls to be saved. To trust in God's resurrecting power, to know He's alive today, and to know that He has power, life-giving power, and you can recognize that, would be to see people come to know Jesus and be saved. So the question is, are you seeing people saved in your life? Are you seeing that? I'm not saying, are you the one that's, that's actually leading them to the Lord? I mean, that's definitely part of it. But are you at least looking and seeing these transformations happening in the church and in this ministry? It's happening. Do you see it? Are you part of it? John 15 verses uh, 1 through 8 It gives us basically the recipe for seeing it and being part of souls being saved. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Okay. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And here he gives some instructions. Abide in me and I in you. Okay, let's have connection, just like a branch would to basically a, a trunk, okay? The vine, the trunk of, let's say, a tree, okay? Just like that branch is attached to the tree, he says, abide in me and I in you. Let's be one. Let's be connected. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. You can't bear fruit unless you're abiding in Christ. Does that make sense? He continues, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You and I, we can't do anything. We can't bear fruit. We can't see people saved unless we're abiding in Christ and he's abiding in us. In other words, we're saved and we're coming to the altar and we're saying, Jesus, I just want to be with you today. I just want to yield to you today. I just want to trust in you today. And then he's abiding in us. And God, I just want you to come into my mind and to lead me and to have your way. Does that make sense? You guys awake? Are you seeing people come to know Jesus? Okay, but, but knowing God's power, knowing that there is power, is also seeing the victory over sin, over sins, specific things that we know we do wrong, having victory over them, those sins that so easily beset us. Do you see victory over sin in your life? That's one way you will see God's power. You'll experience God's power. Do you have victory over sin? Our natural man... It's just filthy, okay? We don't, we, don't have to, we don't even have to talk about the different things that are, are probably plaguing people in this room. We don't even have to go over it, okay? We all know all of it. We all know all the nasty things that each of us, each and every single one of us, want to partake in. Right? You know what it is. 
You know what it is in your flesh that just, it gets, it rises up and then it, 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 and that lust of whatever. I'm not even just talking about sexual things. The, the lust that, you know, you want to destroy someone. You want to slander someone. You want to lie. You want to steal. You want to, okay, all those things. You know what, you know what those things are that you want to do that are wrong. And maybe you find yourself crippled by it. You're like, I, I want to walk with God. But every time I turn around, every weekend, I'm doing this, or I'm thinking this. I'm so easily uh, beset. I'm so easily taken out of the game. Right? Well, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, here's what God says. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God says, hey, man, I know that really tricky, that really difficult sin you're struggling through. I know the thing that really gets you messed up really often. Hey, just just set that down. And then uh, let's run this race and just look to me. Just set it aside. And then we look at that and we're like, yeah, okay, I would if it was that easy. Right? Right? Is sin easy to just say, "Uh, I'm going to set this right here. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go follow the Lord. Is that easy? Many of us are convinced, no, it's not that easy. Okay, I want to do my best to convince you what God thinks about it. Okay, what God has said about it and what God has done about it. About that sin that does so easily beset us. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I would encourage you to. If you struggle with sin, if there's something that you know is just getting you down and it bums you out, read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, please. Okay, but verse 11, Paul says, you can give up sins that you know God has called you to give up. Here's how. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon. Look at and determine. Look at, view, and judge yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Look at yourself and know that you are dead, meaning you are free from sin. You're dead. Okay, so like the Bible talks about, you know, Kylie and I are married, right? Okay, when I die, do you know, do you know the state of our marriage? When I die, what's the state of her and my marriage? Are we still married or not, Seth? We're not married anymore. Till death do us part, right? Okay, we're not married anymore. What is she? She's free. I die, she's like, yes, finally. No, she's not going to say that, but... 
But she is literally free from our marriage. Now, that doesn't mean that she's happy about it, okay? She's not happy about it. That would be one of the worst, the most awful things that could happen to us, obviously. But she is, according to Scripture, she's free from this marriage. Okay, you, before you get saved, you are married to sin. You can't help but sin. All those sins that so easily beset you before you, before you were saved, they had your number even more than they have your number now. In, in fact, they gave you their number, right? You were attached to that sin, and it owned you, and you couldn't help but do it. But then you got saved, and you died. And you are then free from that marriage with sin. Okay? You died because Jesus Christ died. And you were, you were baptized into His death. And then you were raised again in newness of life. And now you are a new creature and you aren't bound by the natural man. There's a, a circumcision of your man. Right? You have a new man and then you have your flesh. And it's separate and it operates on its own. And you have uh, the, the law of Christ now. And all of a sudden you don't have to sin anymore. I feel like I didn't convince you. You don't have to sin anymore. Woo! Come on, guys. You don't have to sin anymore. Yeah! I mean, do you hate sin? Do you hate it? Because if you don't hate sin, let me tell you, it's because you don't know what sin does. That's why you wouldn't hate sin. Because if you know that sin destroys families, that sin destroys people, that sin destroys relationships... Once you see that and you know that, it's really easy to hate sin. Really easy. Sin never does anything good for anyone. It makes you feel good for a season, and then it destroys you and everyone around you's lives. It is awful. Sin sucks. And you don't have to do it. Woo! Right? Just reckon. Have faith. To decide to see yourself as dead and free from sin. And then set that sin aside. And then look to Jesus and run the race with patience that He's given you. Get to work. Walk with God. He proved His power over death and over sin through the resurrection and through the ascension. Right? He proved to you that He's got power to free you from it. He's got, he, he proved to you that He's got power to raise people from the dead. Because He did it Himself. He proved His power. His power raises people from death to life, from sin to freedom. And we get to experience that personally. You get to experience that personally for yourself. Forgiveness. Freedom from sin. And you also get to experience it in the lives of others that we come to know and love. Right? There's nothing like seeing someone get saved. There's nothing like it. Tell, ask Nate what the best thing that's happened to him in the last three weeks. And I guarantee in this top five, it's going to be leading Cody Wilbur to the Lord. Do you know why? Because he loves Cody Wilbur. And then the best thing on planet Earth happened to Cody Wilbur. And Nate got to be part of it. There is nothing better. There's not. There's not. There's people you care about and you get to see them saved because God has power for that. 
We don't have to rely on our own strength, our own power, and our own ability. We just yield to his. We have faith enough to say, I don't got it, but he does. He does, and he will. So your key point is, there is comfort in God's great power. If you're going to have to lead a Bible study, and you're like, dude, I don't know how this is going to work. Man, you are in a really good spot, because there's comfort in God's great power. He's got the power. Mm, 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 mm. Right? He's got the power. He's got the ability. He's got the strength that you and I don't have. If you know that, man, God's called you to preach the gospel and and you don't know what that's going to look like, that's intimidating to you, He's got the power. You've got this sin you know you need to stop doing because it's messing you up. He's got the power. Just abide in Him. Yield to Him. Guess the first one. Second one is, there's power and there is a position, okay? There is a position that Jesus is in. And Paul is is praying that the Ephesians would see the power, right, that God has and has given to them. But he's also praying that they would see uh, Jesus' position. In verse 21 it says, far above all principality. And I kind of gave a synonym for each of these these words that might be unfamiliar to us. Jesus is far above, where he's up in heaven right now, he's far above all principality or positions, right? He's like the owner. He's not the CEO. He's above it all, right? And power. He's above all forces. There is no force greater than Jesus. And might. Strength and dominion. He, he has the overarching rulership of everyone and everything. Right? He's the one who, he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And he, he is the one who stewards out responsibility to work those fields. He's the one in charge of it all. President Joe Biden. Man, that's great you're president. Jesus is over you. Right? In every name that is named, he is higher in reputation and notoriety. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet. Here's something interesting. He put everything, all things under his feet, right? So that means it's pretty low down there. Where's his head? Well, it's all the way up here. Well, what's the body? What's the body? Oh, wait. You are the body. So all of these things are, are in essence true about you. In other words, none of these things have dominion. No, nothing, has, nothing is above you in principality, power, might, dominion, and, or name. You are a part of Christ. You are in Christ. And therefore, nothing has any position over you. You are, I don't know, more than a conqueror in Christ. Right? So here's some questions for your notes. Have you received and just trusted in Jesus Christ's Lordship? Have you received and trusted in Jesus Christ's Lordship? Is He your Lord? 
that is an element of your salvation, right? Is He your Lord? Do you believe that He is fully and supremely in charge of your life? All decisions, all actions, all thoughts. Is He in charge? Is He ruling things? Or are you? And then lastly, do you trust His leadership? Because I think, I think, I could be wrong, but I think everybody, most people in here, would say, I've received and trusted in Jesus Christ's Lordship. And if you haven't, that's critical. This morning we want to talk to you about what it looks like to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's nothing more important this morning for you. Okay? You keep listening to me. But at the end of this morning when we're done, what you need to hear and what you need to work through is Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. A lot of you, you've probably you've believed on Jesus as your Lord. And maybe you even believe that He is fully and supremely in charge of your life. Maybe you'd say, yeah, I think he's in charge. I'm not perfect. I don't follow him perfectly, but he's in charge. I would ask you, do you trust his leadership? Meaning when he tells you to do something that you don't like, when he leads you to do something uncomfortable that goes against the way you think or believe, do you trust that I'm just going to do it and it's okay? Right? Like, uh, like Adam Merritt. I mean, we were, we were rolling in here in youth ministry. It was a blast. I mean, Adam was leading middle school and we're over here and a lot of you know Adam. A lot of you, you know, Adam was your middle school pastor. And he had a pretty sweet ministry situation. And then God said, hey, I want you, I want you to leave all of your family and all of your ministry momentum and start over in a really cold, really hard place like Boston. Now, I don't care what you think about Adam, okay? It's none of my business. But I know this. Adam is a good testimony of, the Lord is telling me to do it. It's best to do it. doesn't make sense really. If the Lord is doing it, I trust that He knows best. Do you have that faith? So here's what it might look like. Trusting God for His leading. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm just going to go 1 through 8. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Wait, 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 wait. Trusting these words give you, gives you long life. Okay. There's a reason to trust God. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Okay, so if I just trust these words and I cling to them, I'm going to have favor among God, but I'm going to have favor among men. Okay, so long life, favor among men. This is sounding pretty good to just trust in God's word, to trust God's leading so far, right? You with me? Okay. He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. If you will just trust in the Lord, if you'll abandon your ideas, 
And you say, God, I don't know what's best for me. And you do. And you'll just stand in that and you'll walk in that. It will be better off for you. Why? Because God is a good father. Because he wants to lead you well. And in that vein, trusting God for His provision and protection is what it might look like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, to receive the Lordship of God. Matthew 6, 31-34 says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed, or how shall we be clothed? For, all, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Here it is. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. All the things you need, God knows it. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you understand in terms of your decisions, in terms of the things that you need? God has very clearly stated to us, don't worry about it. Let go of your life. Let go of control. Let go. And he promises that he'll take care of you. Can I encourage you to just be full of faith? To say, you know what? That's right. I'm not going to hang on to it. I'm not going to hang on to my life. I'm just going to let God lead and guide. And if it gets crazy, and if it's like a roller coaster, and I get scared, so be it. God's in control. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly the outcome of every decision we will make. And many of you are in in the midst of a very difficult decision. Maybe it's college. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's something smaller than that. The Alpha and Omega, Jesus. The beginning and the end, Jesus. He knows the right moves for you. Are you trusting Him to show them to you? If you are working through a decision, I want to give you a checklist. Run these decisions by this list. Number one. Will you be able to grow more in your relationship with His Word there? Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. Will you be able to grow more in your relationship with His Word there? When I was going through discipleship with Brian Bustos, he's the worship leader here, and he asked me to walk through discipleship with him, and I was thrilled. I was, I was eager, I was craving investment from older believers and when he asked me I I jumped on that and didn't realize that what that meant was he was going to invest in me but he was also going to kind of guide me and I had a dream that I was going to be a uh, coast guard rescue swimmer so I swam in high school I was really good at swimming some might say and I really enjoyed it I loved it I, I, I loved to train and to work hard and growing up I wanted to be like an army man That was like my dream job, an army man. Not a soldier in the military, an army man, right? I wanted to shoot bad guys with my guns, okay? So I had those kind of aspirations, and then I get through high school, and I'm like, wait, instead of like shooting people, I could go save people. I could rescue people. I could be the hero, and I could do that on the Coast Guard. I'd roll out. It was from, uh, there's an Ashton Kutcher movie. You know what I'm talking about? Bro, that one killed me. I was like, I need to be Ashton Kutcher. I need to get on the helicopter and dive in and, and rescue. And, like, dude, I still, if God gives me the opportunity <laughs> for a second career, I am all about that. I'm not playing, man. That, 
That really gets my blood pumping. Okay, so I tell Brian, this kind of comes up in the midst of discipleship. I go and I take the test at the military recruiting office. I score well enough to get in. I'm like, I'm, I'm joining the Navy or the Coast Guard. And, and he's like, okay, listen, Jeff. Will you be able to grow more in your relationship with God and His Word if you go off to boot camp and you go off and do this thing? And I said, I'm going to go call the Coast Guard. Okay? And I ran from it. I didn't want, I didn't want to hear that. So I called the Coast Guard, and they're like, yeah, we're not taking anybody for the next two years. I was like, dang it, why'd you tell me that? Like, come on, you got to let me in. So I'm like, it's okay, though. I got the Navy. So I called the Navy. And they're like, yeah, come on in, let's, let's get this figured out. And I couldn't help, I couldn't help acknowledge the fact that if I went and I did that, I couldn't honestly say that, yes, I will continue to grow in my relationship with God. And I knew that God had even more for me than rescuing people as a rescue swimmer. He wanted me to learn His words so that I can invest it into other people. I didn't know anything about teaching the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about this. I was midway through discipleship. I was literally just helping out on the praise team. I mean, I was plugging away. I was trying to serve, but I wasn't like teaching this at all but I knew that God wanted to teach me this and I knew that God wanted me to be able to invest this into whoever I might need to and I couldn't get away from that and I hope you can't either will you be able to be discipled and then trained to disciple wherever you might go will you be able to be discipled and then trained to disciple And lastly, this might cover everything. Is your decision completely surrendered to God? Now, you might not be in the midst of a really hard decision. Maybe you're a sophomore or a junior and you're like, yeah, I'm not thinking those thoughts yet. And that's okay. But please remember this checklist. Please remember that your best, your best option is the one that God gives you peace and leads you to pursue. It's your best option. I'm not saying you should just like abandon your dreams. I still got that dream in there. I might be a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. I tell you what, there was a, uh, I, coached, I coached swimming and water polo and we would take this canoe trip every summer. And so uh, I went on this canoe trip, and it's high water, so it's kind of risky and dangerous. And, you know, I'm one of the coaches. I'm a young guy, but I'm one of the coaches. And people, are, some of these kids are losing canoes, right? They had never canoed before. And so they're dumping, and they're, they're losing canoes, and canoes are getting wrapped around, you know, trees, and it's, it's bad. And so I'm like, yes, this is it. Like, this is what I want more than anything. And so I was able to go out and, like, the kids were fine because they're swimmers, so they just like swam off to the side. But I was rescuing canoes, and dude, it was about as good as it gets for me, right? And from that moment, Chris Best happened to be on that trip because Andrew was one of the one of the players. He's one of the water polo players. And don't you know, Chris gave me a good word to Kylie. 
I'm just saying, God has plans for you that you don't even know about. And if you'll just surrender to Him, He's going to work things out for you. Okay? He's going to work it out for you. Glad I didn't go to the Coast Guard. And that I can go later. I'm not too old. I will race anyone in here. Just kidding. Uh, God knows exactly what we need, and He desires to provide for us as any good father would. And so your key point is this. There is comfort in God's providence. There's comfort in God's providence, knowing that you don't have to make anything happen, that you don't have to make big decisions on your own, that you don't have to provide uh, you know, all the things that you need on your own, that God provides for you. God provides for you. Many adults in this room have been in really, really tight, difficult financial situations. I mean, that's like normal, especially for us, because none of us are like big balling, you know. So going paycheck to paycheck, that's not uncommon for us, right? Or having big expenses and emergencies where you have to pay for big stuff and you don't have any money, but then you still have to pay your bills. That's pretty common. You know what else is really common? God provides for us every time. Every time. You can't beat that. There's comfort in that. Knowing that if you just seek the Lord first, He'll take care of you. And then lastly, okay, we're on the home stretch here. That clock is 20 minutes late. Holy moly. Okay. Last one here. Second part of verse 22 into 23, it, it says, And gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He gave Jesus to us to be the head of the body, us, that, that fills all in all, right? So Jesus fills all of us. And he leads all of us. He's the head and we're the body. Okay, but here's some quick notes for your, uh, quick questions for your notes. Do you know your place in the body? Do you know your place in the body? I used to talk with Kylie about, um, I just remember this conversation between us happening where we would talk about high school ministry in my life and its role in my life. And what the high school ministry that I was a part of did was they were like the hand that grabbed onto me. There was, there was a few key, there's three or four key people who reached out to me. And they just became my friend. And it wasn't like we became best friends overnight. None of us were particularly skilled at building relationships. But they reached out. They got over themselves. And they reached out to me. Some dude who just rolled up to church because a friend invited him. And they grabbed on. And they weren't aggressive. They weren't obnoxious. They weren't texting me every day. Making sure I was reading my Bible. They weren't weirdos. They were my friends. They were people that I knew I could sit by at church. They were people I hung out with outside of church. And they were the hand. And before I was even saved, God's hand, the body, was grabbing, a part, grabbing hold of me and bringing me in and drawing me to Him as the Word was being preached and as I would show up and I would listen and I would fall asleep during sermons. But I would get some of it sometimes and then I would be a part of their fellowship. He brought me in and He, and he finally got me to the place where I could, I could hear His heart from me. And he said, hey, you need to get saved. And I said, I need to get saved. 
and I got saved. What is your part in the body? What member are you? Do you believe that you have a vital role? That you are necessary to this body? Do you believe that? God does. And lastly, do you trust that God has you where He wants you doing what He wants you doing? So maybe you, maybe you would say, I know that I have a place. I know that I have a necessary place. But I don't know that I'm in that place. I don't know that I am doing what I need to be doing as part of this body. And so here's what it might look like. I'm going to give you just a few verses here. And then we'll wrap this up. Hang with me, please. This might look like trusting God to fitly join you in the body. Some of you, you're visiting for the first time this morning. Man, it's great to have you. Some of you, this is your third or fourth time here. It's great to have you. Some of you have been here 465,000 times. It's also good to have you here. You might not be or feel fitly joined to this group. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay, so you're like, what in the world did you even just say, bro? Here's what I said. Manning is necessary for this body because he is a specific part to the body. And if this ministry is, let's say, a hand. Okay, well, manning might be uh, the fingertip, okay? Well, Edwin might be the next chunk of the finger, right? What can this do by itself? Not much. It could tickle my daughter Josie, okay? But Brock is maybe this part of the, the finger, okay? We've got a full finger, right? We can maybe dig a small hole. <laughs> we can certainly pick a nose, but there's not much here, okay? But then if Mazzy is like this part of the is this a metatarsal? Something like that. Okay, if Mazzy is this part of the hand, okay, now I've got some strength to it. And then Taylor is like, she's just the whole thumb, okay? And then Gavin is this finger, Rashawn's this finger, Jason's this finger, okay? And then Emily's the palm, and Joy's the wrist, and Chloe's the forearm, okay? Now you've got some strength, right? Now you've got some grip. Now you've got something that you can do. Okay, but each of these members contributes to the overall process. And the forearm can't get stronger unless I have a hand to pick up the weight. Right? And the hand can't pick up the weight unless it has the forearm. And so they build on each other and they strengthen each other. They supply need to each other. You are necessary. You are necessary. And you won't hear that anywhere else. You'll hear that at your schools and they'll say, you're all really special and important and you have all the rights and you need your rights and you should fight for your rights. Okay, go home. I'm telling you, yes, I want you to go home after service today, but I want you to know that I want to keep connecting with you and we want to get to know you and we want to see you plugged in and fitly joined to this body so that you know that you will be strengthened when you come to this group and when you join a Bible study, that you're going to grow. You're not just going to sit there passively. That sucks. This, if you don't know you're going to grow and, and, and build friendships that will last you your entire life, if you don't know that, I don't know why you would show up. I'm not going to lie. Church is, I mean, church is not that exciting. 
You've been listening to me talk to you for like 45 minutes. Maybe you Kylie's probably like, I love you, Jeff. You can just keep talking to me. But the rest of you are like, bro, come on, man. What are you doing? What I'm doing is I'm telling you that if you'll just receive these words and you receive God's promises and what God has done, if you'll just cling to that and believe it, you will grow and you will benefit from this. And you will be able to benefit this. Does that make sense? Okay. Being a part of, uh, you know, the, the knowing your role, knowing your place, is also trusting God to, to use you in the body life. Using you. So 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14, it says, Paul lays it out this way, For as the body is one, right, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Check this out. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. You are a part of the same body. Manning is a part of me. And I am a part of Manning. Right? Now that sounds weird. But when Manning hurts... You know, if Manning lets me know that he's hurting, that hurts me. That does. It does. You know, if, if Nate is hurting, that hurts. I have no blood relationship to either of those guys. When Rebecca is hurting, that hurts. When Seth is hurting, that hurts. Like, when you guys are hurting, that hurts me. And don't you know... You know, if I'm hurting and you're hurting with me, I need empathy. Don't you know that I need that? If I'm grieving something, I, I absolutely need you to come alongside me and be part of working through that with me. But I also need people in here for the ministry to move forward. Right? We need each other. And so we'll break it down a little more specifically, then we'll wrap it up. First Corinthians 12, 27 uh, says, Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And here's what he says. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, right? Are all of you going to be like this role where you teach the Bible every week? No, right? Some of you will. Are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet shall I unto you a more excellent way. Here's, here's how he explains this. You may not have one of the big prominent roles where everybody has to listen to you for 45 minutes, okay? Which some of you need to do this, because I'm wearing some of you out. Like We need to recycle this, okay? But... Here's a more excellent way. Here's, here's, here's something even better that every one of you can participate in. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Jesus is the head, and from the body, He's leading and building His church body to love. Your job is to love. 
And he's also dictating what his body does. So he has a role for you. He wants you to do it in love. And it's, it's like a band. Or it's like a sports team. Church body is like a sports team or a band. Now if I'm in a band and I'm playing my instrument, I'm playing the, I'm playing the tenor saxophone. Okay, when I'm playing my when I'm playing my part and then Ken is playing his part and now we're harmonizing. Let's hear it. When I'm playing my part and he's playing his part and it's harmonizing and then Joel is playing his part and it adds dynamics and then Lydia's playing her part. She's playing like the timpanis. Three of you knew what that was. Sorry. Okay. Right? If each person is playing their instrument and they're playing their part and we're all beginning to play together and you can hear it, do you know what that produces? It produces joy. It makes that really fun, right? If you're a music person, you're like, yes, I prefer the person next to me to be in tune and for us to be able to play together and there's harmonies and we're, and we're in sync. That's a good time. It brings joy, but it also, togetherness, it brings success. The band is successful when they're playing together. Okay? But in sports, right? The Chiefs are going to play today. Yay. Okay. Knowing your role in a given play brings satisfaction. Chad Henney does that crazy thing where they go for it on fourth down. Okay, if you don't know the play, it's okay. Basically, the backup quarterback, he's a nobody. He's like, he's like way too old to be, I mean, like he's just, I mean, he's a backup quarterback. So, he, it's fourth and inches. If they, if they move the ball just a little bit further, then they win the game. But if they don't, there's a really good chance that they lose the game. That's the, the basics. So, he gets there. What they're going to try to do is trick the other team. They're going to try to get them to make a penalty so that they, they move the ball and they win. That's what everybody thinks. But the dude, you know what he does? He hiked it. He says hike, and he starts running. And this dude's like as fast as me, and he's running around here. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you know what he does? He doesn't make something up. He's not running wild. You know what he does? He does... He does what he's supposed to do. He throws the ball to the fastest guy in the NFL. And you know what he does? He does what the fastest guy in the NFL is supposed to do. He runs down the sideline and he gets past the line. And then you know what he does? He sits down and stays in bounds. Okay, if if you don't know anything about football, you're like, wow, that's good. Man, I just really (laughs) thank you, Jeff, for that. Basically, what happened is they ran a very simple play. It was very simple. It was something they've probably literally done a thousand times. And the, and the guys didn't have to be special. They just knew what their part was. And you know what? They did it. They executed the play. And they were really excited. I mean, Chad Henney threw the ball like 10 yards. Anyone in this room can throw the ball 10 yards. I take that back. That's true. So he, he throws the ball 10 yards, right? Tyreek Hill only runs like 
10 yards max, five yards, right? It's a very simple play, but it brought a lot of joy. And you know what else it brought? A lot of success. When you know your play, when you know your role, when you know what you're supposed to do, and you don't have to worry about making things happen, you don't have to worry about being, you know, the big shot. You just, I know my role is to get the coffee. Because the coffee blesses the body. There's joy there. And you know what? There's success there. You know what I mean? Philip is not over there all ate up because he's not the one preaching. He might be ate up because he's like, dude, I gotta go to the bathroom. Would you shut up? I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you know what? He's sitting over there and he's fulfilling a very, very, very critical role. You might say, what are you talking about? He's not doing anything. Yes, he is. You better believe he is. There's people outside that door waiting for me to get done. And he's holding them back. You have a role in this body. And it's not about the title of your role. It's about the purpose of your dynamic gifting. God has gifted you to, to do many different things. You don't have to be tethered to just one position. You can just pick up your cleats and join the huddle. You can just say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join in. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm good at. But will somebody put me to work? Yeah, we will. Join the work. We'll give you a small role. You can be the backup quarterback. That's my role. I'll go be the I'll go be a lineman. Right? Just jump in. Because there is comfort in God's playbook. Knowing that God has a role and he has a play and he wants to do something in your life with your life, there's comfort there. Just go listen to the coach. And he'll get us all straightened out and figured out. Does that make sense? There's comfort in God's playbook is your last key point. As you write that down, I'm going to pray. We are late. And um, we'll get going here. Go ahead and write that. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you how uh, plain it is. God, thank you for the opportunity to, to, to present it, to preach it. Um, God, I do pray that you know, what, wherever I may have gotten in the way, God, that you would just, you would remove that distraction, that you would, you, would, you would just imprint on our minds and our hearts your word and how you're leading us this morning. And as we go into another service where we get to praise and worship and we get to hear your word again, God, would you give us fresh hearts and fresh minds? Would you give us strength in our inner man to continue receiving from you what you have for us this morning? But God, also give us wisdom to give of ourselves this morning, to reach out to be the hand that grabs onto new people or that grabs onto people we don't know. God, give us wisdom to play our part, to be the body this morning and this week. God, bless these people. Um, God, give your grace. Give us open doors. Would you build your church as you see fit? We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, you are dismissed. I'll see you inside.